Welcome to the UK Virtual School Podcast, a podcast for parents, home educating families, and those looking for an alternative to the current education system. I'm Sid, the founder of UK's first online school that does things differently. We dare to be different. We dare to question the notion of our current education system. Join us as we create a movement to disrupt education and seek to create one which is innovative, inclusive and fulfilling for the children who will become the leaders and change makers of tomorrow. Join us and become part of the conversation. Today I've got with me Kate. Now Kate joined us right at the beginning of when UK Virtual School started last year and she has been our English teacher and also primary year one and year two teacher right at the beginning of the year. And then Kate went on a little bit of a gap and then we'll talk about this a bit later. Um, I don't want to tell you so much because I wanted Kate to mention this. So Kate, um, welcome and thank you for being here with me. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about you? Yes, so hello, um, I'm Kate. Um, I have been teaching for a long, long time, I think over over 15 years now. I started UK um, virtual school and then I um, went on maternity leave. So I have we have a little boy and it's lovely having the time off and being, having the time to spend with him. Um, but it's nice to be able to come away for a little bit and to be able to put the educational um, reading that I've been doing over the last five months <laughs> into practice. This is our first UK virtual school baby as well. Uh, so it's nice to to welcome him to the world as well. Uh, so how was your experience when you first started with UK virtual school? Because online is very different to face-to-face which is what you were used to was it different from how you expected it to be um, and how you kind of adapted to online I was very apprehensive to start with because obviously um, it was walking into the unknown no one had ever done it before and it was all new and different but within the first five minutes of teaching I just absolutely fell in love with it in a way it was like coming home because I could teach I didn't have to worry about anything else. I could just teach. I could adapt my teaching to the needs of the children. Um, I could interact with them because there were small classes. And it's the best decision I've ever made. And um, yeah, it's with when it comes to teaching and it's just been, yeah, it's just been amazing. So when you first started to teach, what were the first things that you realized in terms of adapting? Because obviously you don't have the materials that you would do to make the sessions more tactile for the kids, especially the younger kids where they need things to hold and, and to, to do things with their hands. How did you implement different ways of delivery to ensure that they were able to to be kids as well as being online? I remember vividly the first lesson that I did. I remember talking to you, Sid, and saying, we need mini whiteboards and pens and we need cubes. Yeah. That was the first thing I did because I realised that the children had no way of making notes. And it's so important, especially when you're delivering online and you've only got a short amount of time. It's so important that they are able to express their ideas. And um, it's not, it's about the children engaging with their learning and um, them being responsible for their learning. And so having the whiteboards and pens really made it's so that they could interact. And I even remember going further back when you did your interview lesson 
And there was me and there was Nicola um, in your interview uh, session with you and you delivered. You did, a, you did a song for us. I did. You remember that song. I'm going to get you to sing it for everyone to listen to because it's amazing. It's a noun, 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 noun. It's a person, a place or a thing. It's a noun, 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 noun. It's a person, a place or a thing. Like a glass or a water bottle or a person. It's a noun, 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 noun. It's a person, a place or a thing. <laughs> and, uh, and you've done it a lot less energetically as you, than you did in the interview and in the sessions because I know you're live and, and <laughs> you know you're a bit nervous doing it on a podcast. But that song has stayed in the kids' heads because you've also delivered it in the actual sessions. You didn't just do it in the interview. Um, and it's something that the kids still talk about when they come to the kids' meetings and, they, and they're asking about UK. And they do often ask about you. And they're like, oh, we still remember the songs that we did with Kate. Um, and I think it's things like that that make a big difference where because we're online, they've got less of that distraction. It's that focus on the teacher. And then whatever the teacher says or does, it, it has a more vivid effect on the kids. It has a, and then if, if you're implementing songs in there, if you've got visuals in there, if you've got movement in there, and I often do movement, it, it allows the kids to then really remember and, and create a memory and experience around that. So that makes a huge difference. And they really miss your songs. And I'm sure you're going to be creating so many more as you're going forward and, and, and doing that. So the one thing I wanted to talk to you about today in particular was engaging young children. Um, especially at home, what could parents be doing to engage their kids and support them at home? What we've been doing at UK Virtual School and how you see the two working hand in hand. So you've been spending, and I know we were talking about this before we got onto the podcast, that you've been spending a lot of time uh, listening to podcasts and listening to audio books and learning more about the educational philosophy that you want to be implementing. Um, How has your development kind of changed over the last few months in terms of how you approach has there been anything that's kind of stood out for you and you've gone oh I want to try that um so yeah so I've always implemented um the Montessori method into my into my teaching um in yeah in small bits but now um with our son we are implementing the Montessori method in in bringing him up and so I've been reading lots and lots of books and lots of um listening to lots of podcasts about the Montessori method and I think the thing that really resonates with me is the fact of observing the child getting to know them um, letting them take the lead and then going with their interests. And actually, even this morning, um, I I said, um, good morning, Alexa. And Alexa said, um, good morning. Did you know that um, today is the anniversary of um, Cleopatra's death? And I suddenly went, oh, my goodness. If If my son was a little bit older, we could do a whole day on this if he was interested in that, because I don't want to push anything that the children don't want to do. They need to have the interest. They need to start it. If they were interested in that, we could um, go down the geography route and look at Africa and we'd look at Egypt. And then um, I I said, um, can we have some Egyptian music? And so we were listening to Egyptian music and I was dancing around the living room with my son for Egyptian music and all these amazing Egyptian books. And we could go down that route. And I think that's the most important thing, getting to know the child first and um, then taking their lead. 
And I, I often do that with my teaching anyway. I'll, I'll start with um, with something that they already know and then I'll build on that. We draw a circle first and then we split it into half. Then we split it into quarters. And then I talk about half past and quarter past. And they've just started with a simple thing that they already know. So I think that's the most important thing for me, the Montessori, is getting to know the child with their interests. And so also with that, um, comes more um, uh, developmental uh, scientists that I've been sort of looking at um, is Piaget in his theories of development. I've been reading lots and lots about that and how children need to be build up the knowledge. They can't just start with um, nothing, expect to know everything. And so going with their interest, but also, again, with the clock, starting with things they already know starting with cubes and then sort of counting or building and then while they're building say ah oh, how many have you got there if you added two more what would that be if you took away three what would that be using that in cooking throughout the day um cooking with your child and then say oh should we weigh up the ingredients um how much do we need how many ounces how many grams what is that in kilograms going to the shop and uh, paying for something. I think it's so important that children still use money because um, even though we're using cards and credit cards now, it's so important we still still use the coins and be able to recognise the coins because the maths in that is just incredible. Um, so using everyday things um, and the more sort of um, theories I read and the more um, books I read on this, I'm just more and more convinced that that going with the child is the way to go. Um, also, the other thing is really looking at the child and what they're doing. And the other thing I've been really looking at is schemas. And there, um, um, a theorist called Athi was talking about schemas. And the other day, my son was putting blankets on his head. I'm like, what? What? Where's this? Why are we putting blankets on our head? What's going What's on? What's a schema? So a schema is a pattern of repeated actions, something that an adult or a child does over and over and over again. And we often find that children do the same things over and over and over again. So they may line up their teddies or they may throw a ball up and down or throw their food off the high chair lots and lots and lots of times or set up lots of tracks. And if they're in that schema, that's the way to get their learning, because that's what they're interested in. So if you find that they're lining up their toys, um, use that in the counting, use that for math, use that to write a story about all the things that they're lining up. So there are actually seven schemas. And I will quickly, if that's OK, go through them because it's really it's really interesting. So there's the trajectory schema, which is up and down. So throwing. So if you find that your child's throwing things, Put that outside and get them to throw a ball up and down or get them to talk about um, gravity. That's a good way into science. Positioning is the lining up. Um, enveloping is covering themselves, which is what I found my son was doing, covering themselves in the blanket. But you could make forts and read under the forts. So that's a good way of getting your literacy in there, writing stories in the forts because they're covering themselves up. Um, rotating, spinning. Um, and with that, if they're in the spinning, rotating schema, you could do position, you could do degrees, 360, 180, a positional language, forwards, backwards, side, side, um, uh, angles, 90 degrees, 180 degrees, enclosing, fencing in. Um, so children build walls around things, 
with their with their bricks. And again, you could do shapes with that. If you find that they're building walls around things, you could do different shapes. What happens if I built a different wall? What happens if I built a wall that had five sides? What shape have you made? Or seven sides? What shape have you made then? There's the connecting one, which is setting up things. So um, putting things in a certain order. So again, you could use positional language. Which one have you put first? Which one have you put third? Which one goes before or after? Um, there's the transforming one into solid and liquid, which again fits fantastically into science with the pouring and the mixing, potions, working out what, what goes together to make things, and the orienteering, the positioning. Um, often children like to run places and they like to hide places um, or they like to, to um hide themselves and positioning and saying if you go there how many meters are you away from me um so they are the the schemas and i think if we sort of went with those and what montessori is saying and piaget is saying really understanding the child and going with those i think we'll understand how um to educate the child more and to go with their interests so does a child change between schemas throughout a day or is it a longer period of time where they build a habit on a certain schema? It could it could be either. It could be that they change it throughout the day. It could be that they keep with it for a long, long time. So two, three, four months. Um, my son only kept with it for a couple of days and then he went on to something else. Um, but I, but um, yeah, with older children especially, um, the lining up schema is something that I find a lot and the connecting. But um yeah, it's the patterns as well. If you find a pattern that they're, that they're doing, go with that. How would you have implemented that in a class of 30? Because before you taught online, you were working with big classes, right? And it's a lot more difficult then to tailor it for the kid because there's so many of them. So how, how does that work in a, in a bigger setting or does it not work? It does, um, but I... In some schools I worked in, they were really, really um, uh, positive about the way I do things because I, I like to mix things up a bit and I do take children outside and I do put them in groups and things. Um, and I, they I, they could write on the bench outside if they wanted to because that was what they wanted to do. And I we did look at them. I was observing them. I was making sure they're OK, but they were in their own little space. Um, so when I could do that, that was amazing because they could do their own. They could do their own thing and they could work with that. Um, but sometimes that wasn't that wasn't the case and that I wasn't able to do that. And um, I did have to stick rigidly to what I was asked to do. So there were different sort of, of ways through my teaching career that I've handled that. And you've been teaching for, I think it's uh, over 10 years, I think 14 years? Uh, 14 or 15 years, yeah. How have you found that you as a teacher have progressed over that period of time? Do you, do you recognise certain points in time where you go, that was a, a time where I made a significant change in the way that I started teaching and this was the influence. Do you have those points or was it such a gradual change that you don't really, you can't pinpoint those points? It was definitely, there were definitely points that I think, oh my goodness, I definitely changed. So um, I had an amazing supportive um, mentor, if you like, and they were really on board with my ideas and let me team teach and let um different children from different classes come into my class and vice versa and we used to swap and uh, teach things that that we were interested in they wanted to teach and that for me was amazing because um it was what I went into education to do and um, to inspire children and to 
let them their eyes light up with certain things like mine do to learn I'm so hungry to learn and I want the children to as well um and I think as well having little breaks in between where I went traveling was just amazing because I came back with all these amazing ideas I was able to go and visit Mm. schools in different countries um learn new languages I love learning languages learn new languages bring them back to the children um and I think in a couple of schools I actually sent sent um, postcards and things and so when I came back they were able to talk to me about it and we'd have conversations about food and I'd make the food and they'd they'd taste it and they'd make it and it was really good to have that that time away to reflect on um, the way I do things and the way I educate and then build on that. So what kind of interested you about UK virtual school because it looks like you were a brilliant teacher you love the hands-on stuff you like you love the traveling aspect what was it that attracted you to an online environment when that was completely different to how you taught before was it just COVID or were there other factors that kind of contributed towards that there were other things my health was a big thing and and COVID um, was a big thing as well and so um, with my health being the way it was, it was important for me to have something that was adaptable, that I was able to do wherever I was, um, and that if I wanted to travel, I could. But if I um, if I needed some some time, then I could have that as well. It came at just the right time, and I'm so glad it did. And we're so glad that we've got you as well because you're such an amazing teacher. Um, and the first I think the six months that you were with us before you went on to maternity leave you'd got into the habit of uh, doing the three weeks on and the one week off how did you find that did that work really well and do you think that's something that could be rolled out um, to other schools because that's an unusual way of running it we like normally term times are really long and they're exhausting at the same time do you think the three weeks on and the one week off works um completely yes because uh, I remember um, you saying before in another podcast about how you give everything in um, in your teaching, and um, I I do as well. And with the six week block and the twelve week block, you are just so tired by the end of it. And um, but you give and you give and you give, and then you get to the point in the holidays where you you just need to sleep for the next two weeks. Um, but you've got planning to do, and you've got marking to do, and you've got other things to do so we're having the three weeks um, on and one week off gives you this intense time of teaching um, one sort of one subject one thing and then you have a week off to recover and it seems to work really well for the kids as well because at no point during those three weeks are they tired or exhausted because they know they're in there for just that three weeks and then they can have their fun if they are going away and often families travel or go away during that week covid permitting obviously and um i've known that parents have taken their kids um um to places and they do all their trips and they scatter them throughout the three weeks as well but if you're having daily lessons that's a bit more difficult but having um five six seven eight nine days if you add the two weekends on there is quite a nice little chunk of time for families to be able to chill with their kids um and i'm glad that it work it's working for the teachers as well and i guess i guess it gives you time to plan uh take a break um, and catch up on sleep and family and, and your social life as well. In terms of coming back, now we've changed quite a bit of, like internally, UK Virtual School has changed over the last six months. And I know when you left, there there wasn't really a website. 
Um, we hadn't introduced any new subjects. It was just the core subjects and the team's grown and all the rest of it. Um, and you haven't been back since that period. I think you came back for one meeting, I think it was. How has, like, what changes have you seen um, from the outside? Because we're in it. And I think sometimes it's difficult to see all the changes that have been taking place. But as an outside person looking in, well, you're still an internal person because you've still got all the contacts and you can see what's going on. But someone looking in from an outside perspective, as in you've not been teaching, what changes have you seen at UK Virtual School over the last six months that you've been away? A big thing, first of all, is um, everyone is adapting as they go. Everyone is changing their 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 teaching stuff, not their teaching styles, but their approaches to um, better the education of the children. They're really understanding the children by asking amazing questions, by planning incredible lessons. And I think the more I the more I see of that, it's it's just growing and growing. And also with the characters that's um that's your you know going to be implementing very soon um and the uh the ethos and the Our core values right the core values definitely yes yeah and the ethos yeah. and the philosophies um and I can't wait I can't wait to get stuck in with that and to implement that in my lessons I think for the younger kids especially it's going to be really exciting because all these our core values are really difficult words for them to understand and get their head around. And I remember when we, we've always had them as part of UK Virtual School from the onset, but we didn't really have them out there. We didn't have them known by the kids. And even when we mentioned like diversity and inclusion to the kids, they weren't sure what that actually meant. Um, and I remember trying to explain it to them. And then now we've got a characters to represent it. It just, it makes it so much easier because you can portray a very human form of that value um, and their personalities kind of shines through. So it's really exciting to see that. Um, in terms of the summer, how can parents be preparing their kids to come back again or should they be pre preparing to come back again into school, whether they're going to a traditional school, whether they're coming to online school? Or do you think that the summer should all be about getting away from the academics um, and just having some time with family? Or do you think it should be a combination of both? Because a lot of parents worry that the kids are going to lose out on learning. They're going to forget things. Uh, they'll forget their times table if we don't practice. What's the right balance or approach to take in your opinion as a teacher? What would you ideally like parents to be doing so that the kids come back in a state where they're ready to learn whichever direction that they're going in, whether they're home educating at home on their own, whether they're coming with us or going to school? Firstly, I think that um, education is every hour of every minute of every day. We're always learning. It's just the informal and the formal that makes it different. And so um, we're still learning, even though there are no there are no walls. So going out in the environment and experiencing different weather changes, going into different um, climates, into whether you're going to the woods or to the beach, and talking about the um, the sounds you can hear and the textures you can feel, and maybe if the children want to do some writing with that, they can write, or if they want to count some sticks, they can count the sticks, or if you're going um, shopping. Again, um, you can implement maths and, and science in that, but not forcing them to do so, taking the children's lead on that. Everything is learning. So when they're playing, children are learning through play all, all of the time. And I think that the importance of stepping back 
and observing your child and then taking their lead on that. And so letting them make mistakes, letting them um, fall and then picking them up. Yeah, so letting them make mistakes and letting them learn from those um, and building upon that. Because they, if they don't make mistakes, they'll never they'll never learn from them. And so I think it's so important to, um, yeah, so to take the child's lead on that and and go to different places and experience different cultures, experience different food, different languages. Even if you're in um, in in England, in one country, you can still uh, you can still do all those things. So I think, um, mm. yeah, not putting the onus on sitting at a desk, writing our times tables off in rote, finding ways of doing that, finding songs on a, on um, on uh, certain educational devices, I think are absolutely amazing. I said Alexa earlier, I'm going to say it again, uh, asking her to, to say different different languages, different songs, just implementing that in, in the day to day life. I completely resonate and agree with what you've just said there. Uh, because education doesn't stop when schooling stops at the end of at the end of the summer and, and starts again when September starts. It's an ongoing process, and it sometimes it's changing our mindset in how we view what learning is and what education is. Because kids will have fun and learn whatever they're doing, and so and where our responsibility is to facilitate that by giving them enough stimulus to kind of explore and 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 to engage. Um, how have you found the engagement level on online? Because we've talked about teaching a group of 30. We've talked about what parents can be doing at home. What about at UK Virtual School when you've got a class of six, seven, eight kids um, and they're all at slightly different levels maybe and they are quite young because I know you've worked with the year ones. How do you find what works when you're trying to engage them and you've mentioned whiteboards and you've mentioned having tactile things like cubes and and things like that but what kind of really grabs their attention because they're still on a screen you can't reach out to them you can't kind of guide them into a circle and say we're going to have story time now how do you still get that engagement level going uh, I do lots of random making up of songs to uh, to engage them. So um, let's look here. Let's look here. What are we going to do? Let's look here. Literally lot off my head. And then I'll go <gasps> and then I'll open the box and there'll be a lot, um, something in there to engage the children, all of them. And I'll do something for the first five minutes that really, really gets their attention. So if it's creative writing, I may have a shell in the box and I'll introduce the shell and I'll get some um, amazing language and words out of them. But then once we've displayed all the words on the whiteboard and the children have seen the words, then they'll go off the next five minutes and um, they'll write their own thing. But I'll be there the whole time. I'll be talking to each child and saying, oh, wow what have you written there how can we make that better what synonym could we use oh my goodness your handwriting is absolutely amazing but you could do better by by um making sure the tails on your d um and and then bringing them back after five minutes and getting them to share them and getting the other children to comment on their work and saying one thing they liked one thing they can improve on so they're constantly uh, listening to other people's work they're listening to other people's ideas because again um, just on my with my Montessori hat on uh, we shouldn't shield children from exciting words we shouldn't shield them from amazing complex language it should be there right from the beginning and we should always be, be learning it because um, that's the example we're giving and if they hear it from us if they hear these amazing 
uh, beautiful words and complex language, then they'll implement it themselves. So I constantly, constantly use big words. Um, yesterday, I used um, discombobulated with my with my son. Um, and of course, he didn't understand what it was. Um, but I will keep using those words um, because it's so important that um, that they're engaged. And I'll do it in a fun, sing-songy way. Um, and I'll keep changing it all of the time. Um, I do a short activity, then they'll then they'll do something on their own. Another short activity, then they'll do something on their own. And the 40 minutes just goes. You have to be constantly um, thinking, thinking sort of one step ahead and thinking, oh, I think we're, we're losing that a bit. Let's just get that back on track. Let's just make sure that this person knows what they're doing. Let's bring everyone together and let's recap that. And then and then let's carry on. So short, sharp activities, really getting their attention and um, always being on the move. <laughs> I love that your energy and your kind of creativity with English is similar to what mine's in the science. And I completely agree. Like I think a lot of what's on the curriculum at primary level dumbs down the kids quite a bit and we talk down to them and we don't talk to them at a level that I think because we think that they can't handle it and that's our own limitations that we're placing on them well kids actually can handle quite a lot of things when we give when we actually teach them or we present them with information um and I'm a big believer that and I've always done this where I've got like GCSE content and I'll work with young kids and we'll kind of be aiming for that and we'll be using the language which they would be using at that level. Um, but it's the way the activities are delivered that makes a difference, not necessarily the content of what's being delivered. You can do quite complex stuff. I've taught cells to five-year-olds and they're completely fine. They can they know about atoms and cells and how things work. and And that's what is amazing with home educating your own child where you're then not restricted by the curriculum as such. Um, and you can you can go by their interests and what they're interested in, by. And I think one of the great things that you did last year, Kate, was in, I think it was your year three or year four, maybe it was slightly older, one of the classes where you did a whole thing around culture and diversity and you got them looking at celebrations from around the world. You looked at all the different cultures in the world by uh, looking at the celebrations that these cultures do. Um, do you want to just talk a little bit about what your thinking was around that and why you decided to um, embed that into your English teaching? Um, yeah, I think it's so important that children know not just about um, their their environment and their culture, but other people's as well, because it's that understanding that um, that will move everyone forward and um, get get people more aware of, of other people's cultures and other people's languages and other people's way of way of living. And so um, especially with the with um, with covid and the lockdown, it's so important that we still understand what's going on in other places and so I found some amazing poetry books and stories and adapted it for each year group and we'd look at a poem or a story every day and we'd really really delve deep into the um, we'd read the story and we'd look at the language and we'd look at the the different artifacts that um, that go along with with the culture and with the festivals and we'd look at food and we'd really really pick everything apart and then we'd use the structure, the language structure of those poems to create our own poems or our own stories, either based on our own cultures or on a person um, that another person in UK virtual school. 
so we'd we'd talk about our different religions, our different cultures, our different beliefs, our different languages, and we'd immerse ourselves in it. And then I had some amazing, um, some amazing um, ones from children who uh, who were talking about um, um, Ramadan, and then they'd be writing one on Easter because they they'd heard children talking about it. And uh, someone else was um, was talking about uh, American Independence Day and um, their involvement of that. And then they were writing one on Eid. And it was just amazing because they were really, really engrossed in it because they wanted to know about other people's cultures because the children were there and they could see them and they talked to them and they interacted with them. And so it was great that and they had this knowledge that they were building on. And then when we when we went away for the three weeks, a couple of children went, oh, I hope you have a lovely time um, um, when you're doing these festivals, because they knew they were coming up. Um, and I, I really want to eat that food. And please, please, can you bring them back for me? Obviously, they couldn't. But it was great that they really had that involvement. That was a fantastic project because the kids have mentioned that um, during one of the kids meetings and they said how much they enjoyed it. And this is why I'm so excited about the worldview subject that we're starting in September. And I don't know whether you've heard of this, Kate, because I know you've been away for, for six months. But we're starting a new subject in September across all the year groups. So it'll be from primary all the way up to secondary. And worldviews is going to be a combination of history, geography, RS and cultural studies but from the lens of a particular country. So each month, it'll be a project work around one particular country. And these are daily classes, so they'll be able to build on their knowledge um, over the three weeks. And the first country we're going to be looking at is South Africa. And all the year groups will be focused on South Africa. They'll be learning about everything related to that. And then I'm hoping we can also connect to a school in South Africa and they could potentially form pen pals as well. And it'd be amazing to go through what will be 10 countries by the end of the year and to have a really good in-depth understanding and building on what you kind of laid the foundations for, for a lot of the primary kids last year, and kind of building onto that and, and, and kind of spending 15 sessions exploring one country will be amazing. Um, and there's so many countries in the world that I don't think we're ever going to run out <laughs> of, uh, of doing that. Like if they stay with us from year one all the way up to GCSE, they'll be doing different countries every single year, which is going to be an amazing bank of information, I think, for them. Yeah, it really will. And um, I just while you're talking about that, I was just thinking about all these um, the different things that I've got from experience, different cultures, um, how much my cooking's changed by going to different countries, mm. how, my, how many different cultures I now have in my recipe books that I didn't have before, um, the languages that I've now, I've now been exposed to, the... Uh, also even things like um, home decoration or or tips tips from like gardening or cooking that you get from different places and talking to different people and the fact that the children will have that knowledge first of all and they'll have that um, that uh, that understanding that breadth of knowledge first of all and then if they wanted to go traveling they want to experience different things they've got they've got that fantastic foundation to build upon yeah and and the uk virtual school's vision after a few years is to actually do residential trips and they imagine actually visiting the, the very countries that they've studied will bring a completely different dimension to learning for them so it's very exciting and i think there's lots that we can be implementing and i'm sure we're going to be taking feedback and in making changes and continually um, implementing new things to make something truly amazing an education system that works for the kids that we have 
Um, what are your last thoughts on what the direction that we're heading? Is, is that something that you're really excited about? Any things that kind of pop into your head of where what we could be implementing in the future or anything else that you want to share? Yeah, I'm just I am sorry. I'm like chomping at the bit to get back now. Um, I just I cannot wait. Like um, I'm so excited about the uh, the new uh, dynamic that the all the different um new things that you're implementing will bring will bring to UK virtual school and uh I think my lasting my lasting thing is that um nobody should ever ever stop learning everyone's learning all of the time and we can get learning from the smallest thing um and even if we cannot go anywhere even if we're in one place there's still so much learning so much learning to be had um so yeah I think that's and I cannot wait to get back thank you so much Kate for taking the time out today um and and talking to me about your excitement for what's what's to come and also your journey over the last 14 years in education I think it's really insightful to hear a lot of what you've said I I completely agree with and it's nice to have teachers and it's it's difficult to find the right teachers and and the team that we've got at UK virtual school just fits so nicely with the vision that we represent and the core values we represent and I think you portrayed it really well today so thank you so much for taking part and and taking the time out thank you thank you so much for having me Thank you for listening into the UK Virtual School podcast. We hope you took value from this podcast. And if you did, please remember to like and to subscribe and to share what you've learned with other families. Now, if you want to find out about UK Virtual School, go to ukvirtualschool.co.uk or you can join our page or Facebook group, UK Virtual School. We hope that your home education journey is an exciting one. And if you're right at the beginning of starting out, do reach out to us and ask us for some support. I'm Sid, you've been listening into the UK Virtual School podcast and I'll see you next time.